I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, November 28th for a fantastic episode of For the Lore. And with me, same as usual, we've got Vince with Joe coming a little later on. How you doing, buddy? I am healed. You are healed. Yes. Oh, good for you because I'm not. <laughs> I will be quite happy when I can proclaim the same words. Now, you had said that you were going to be slowing down on, uh, on the Old Republic to make time for Revelations. Did you actually do that? I have played through like the first act and then I became diseased and didn't have time for anything other than sleeping. Okay. Well, that's understandable. I actually, well, see, I wasn't feeling that great either. So it was actually the perfect weekend for the beta for me and my son and I both got in. And so it was fantastic because it was just a sit around and game and feel like crap kind of weekend. And um, so we, I had actually gotten invites on the, the first account that uh, my main account actually Initially, that's one that I'd done my Inquisitor on that I got up to like 16 or 17. And then I also got an invite on the secondary account because a lot of people did that, yourself included. Just any email send out for beta <laughs> while they finally came back with that. So the other account, I got the beta invite, as did my son. Those two accounts were the ones that my son and I played a couple of weekends ago when we did our trooper and smuggler combo kind of thing. So those were the ones that actually retain their characters my first one did not so that character was wiped so it was too bad because i wanted to keep going with the inquisitor so this weekend here we figured okay well we'll just play our trooper and smuggler and keep going on coruscant and um but the problem was is that the realm that we were on for that one was terrible for lag and for logging in and everything and we were of the group that got in on saturday because it was a staggered weekend um the people who were trying to get in on friday was even worse for them and this i know that it's a, a beta i understand that and i understand that you know there's only so much smooth smooth sailing that you can expect during a beta and things like that and i also know that even when it launches <laughs> you're probably not going to get a very um smooth sail from launch either it's going to take a little bit of time before the um it, it's more stable but this kind of gives me pause for concern because it really is like it was it was damn near unplayable for a lot of people on friday on saturday we really had a hell of a time now granted some of that was per realm too we we had to start fresh on another realm because the realm that we had our characters on was just terrible I don't know. I, the, I was under the impression that they were going to do everything in their power to break the game this weekend, anyway. So, well, I'm may, not making any. I'm, I'm I'm not making any judgments just yet. They were doing a lot of stress testing stuff. That I do know because the uh, you would get the messages periodically that were saying, um, "Okay, in 15 minutes, we want you to try to stress the servers by doing a search and by doing this." Yeah. So we started on the other realm and. Uh, and well, actually I'd started on yet another because I was having, I was having a hell of a time too with the launcher, which is a lot of people were having a problem with the launchers this weekend to the point where I had it loaded on my laptop. I had it loaded on my main rig, which my son uses. And then I wanted to see if I could get it working on my iMac in bootcamp because I'd heard kind of things, various things from people saying they could get it or not get it working. So I figured, you know what, it'd, it'd be great to be able to play on this 27 inch screen and it's, it's a workstation. So it's going to have some more power than the, the laptop anyway. So I, but I was having problems on each of the machines with that damn launcher. It was terrible. And so 
my son and I didn't get a chance to start at the same time. And then it was just a matter of, okay, well, listen, half the day is wasted anyways. Just play on whatever realm you want. And then I, I managed to lock into one. Finally, the rig upstairs started to work in the launcher. So then he just picked the realm that he can get in the fastest. Well, it turns out that his realm was, again, much better than mine because mine kept crapping out. The lag was ridiculous. So then I started a character on his. And he had made a freaking Jedi Knight. <laughs> So I was like, <laughs> son of a bitch. I guess I'm going to be a counselor then. So I made a counselor. And uh, and if there was a bad evil choice, I took it. I, I don't <laughs> care what it was. I wanted to see just how bad I could make her. And, and it was a blast still, actually. And, I mean, you really get a lot more fun out of the questing in this game when you are playing with somebody else. And I will go so far as to say you're even going to get a lot more fun playing with somebody else if you are either in Skype or invent with them as well. Because we were giggling, laughing, joking around with each other while we were playing, which is more than I typically typically do if I'm in WoW or another game. So we, it, because you're, you're talking about your choices a lot more. And especially if you have that, that polar opposite play style, because he <laughs> wanted to see how light he could get and meanwhile, I'm like ready to vent out the engineers. <laughs> like we, we didn't get to vent them out. And I was like, oh, geez, come on. Yeah. That is your counselor's soul. Oh, and he got both good light side in that, that flashpoint. He got to save the engineers. Plus he saved the freaking ambassador. I was ready to leave her on the Imperial ship. You've been nothing but trouble. You are baggage woman. You're staying here. And, uh, but no, we had a blast. And especially because of the, um, playing the different, classes as well then you get to experience what they're going through in spectator mode and again if you're just chit-chatting i can see that this is going to be if you are playing with somebody else a much more social game to have fun with i honestly didn't really get to play this weekend how come all my characters were locked out and then creating a new character be i couldn't really log in so like i would i created a my mer my mercenary was locked out. I couldn't log into my mercenary, so I couldn't continue the story there. What so do you I mean? What do you mean locked out? Every time I would try to load my character, it would crash back to the character yeah. select screen. Yep. And a lot of people were having that problem. Yep. Like I could load the game fine. Like I can I could create new characters fine. But then once I logged out of the character, I couldn't get back into the character. So basically, my options were to play cons like just constantly do nothing but play the game <laughs> and never log out. Or I just didn't get to play. Well, you couldn't even do that because you, you uh, we were getting booted out more this weekend than we did a couple of weeks ago. See, that's the thing. I didn't get booted out at all. I just couldn't log into a character more than after character creation, okay. which was really, really annoying. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I created, like, on Saturday alone, I must have created <laughs> 20 characters. <laughs> you know you got it bad when you know, you know. No, it's the definition of insanity. You're expecting a different oh, yes. result, <laughs> but you you keep going anyway. Oh, I, I make no qualms about it. I was absolutely <laughs> going bonkers. You can ask anybody. I'm sitting on our, our Mumble server, and I'm screaming like, why do you hate me, Star Wars? Why? What did I do to you? So I'm like crying in the corner, cutting myself, you know, because that's what it felt like. I just, I, it was so annoying, and I wanted so bad to play again. Like, I got that Jones, and I mean, I need that 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 awesomeness. I need the that requesting. It was just it, it shattered me. It shattered me. He cried in the shower afterwards. I did. Like I hugged my knees and I was rocking back and forth over that steaming hot water. And there was like a close up of like all the dirt going down the drain and it was just awful man it was like a french film all over again you know what's funny is that i was of course i, I mean the forums are not the best place to get a an intelligent opinion from people <laughs> but i was on the forums no, all you the, don't say yeah, really i was on the forums on friday and uh just because I was having problems with the launcher on Friday as well, even though I wasn't scheduled to play until Saturday, I was having problems with the launcher and I wanted that resolved at least so that it's ready on Saturday kind of thing. And, um, what's funny is that, well, not funny, but again, I was telling Vince, you, you would think that more effort would have been put into making certain that goddamn launcher is 
freaking bang on going to work every single time. I understand there's going to be some bugs and it's a beta and all that, but there were so many people saying, based on this, I canceled my pre-order. And you know what? To a certain degree, when you're looking at only a few weeks away, yeah, you kind of have to agree with some of it as well. It's like by three weeks out, the freaking launcher at minimum should work. All I did for my first week and a half of testing was test that fucking launcher. Okay, that yeah, but that works. was weeks, months ago. <laughs> like by now, I'm sorry, the freaking launcher should work. And 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 that's and that's a really good point. Like when you're talking about a game that's going to be released in less than thirty days, you know, you a you have less. to wonder. Uh, I mean, a lot less. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's you have to question the stability, and it's. And I don't blame Bioware. I don't. I, I mean, I, I know that they're working as hard as they can to get it out. Um, but if you're going to set a date like that and you, you need to make sure like very basic things are working, what? like when you create a character, you can stay logged in or log out and log back into that character so that you can experience more of that game or that the launcher actually works. They or said the they wanted to encourage alt play. They got that down pat I'm gonna. I, I want to murder whoever thought that was a great idea. I'm sorry, but like it's just it's it's that it's too soon. It's 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 too soon. Well, especially all those little bugs and they're technical bugs too. And and see the thing to keep in mind here, you're saying 30 days. Keep in mind that the day it's actually due to to release on the 20th. Plus, anybody who pre-ordered, you're looking at minimum. Well, no, sorry, maximum five days before for the early launch. So we're looking at potentially just you know, a little over two weeks, maybe three weeks that this is going to be live. So yeah, that is, that's a little uh, scary. And I was looking forward to my five day head start. I have a feeling that I won't even get to no, no. enjoy my five day head start. I really don't think there's going to be much actual gameplay during that time, especially based on this weekend, because a couple of weekends ago when we got in, Dude, it was rock solid. I it was. was I was really quite impressed that it was a beta, and there really wasn't that much lag. There was some, but not too bad. The weekend before that was not as good, but anyways. And then this weekend was like, oh my god! And I'm talking to people, and they're saying they're canceling and things like that. And people I know, I'm going, you got to believe me when I tell you that it was better a few weeks ago. Give it a shot and and be patient because um, it it was terrible. But again, like I was saying before, it was it was almost as if per realm. It was worse per different realms. So the one that my son and I eventually locked on, there was some lag. We did uh, find that it was laggy, but it wasn't unplayable. And it wasn't even that it was not enjoyable. It was just more of an annoyance kind of thing. So I can see how that will get better. But uh, but it, it, it overall, it didn't disconnect us on that realm at least. But the other ones did. So just to talk story-wise now, I did get to play the counselor like you did, Vince, for a while. So what level did you mm-hmm. get your counselor up to? Um, just after I left Coruscant. I don't remember the exact level. Okay. Because I literally just finished Coruscant. I didn't finish all of the little side missions, I, although I did a lot of them. There's maybe just a couple left. But I literally just got my freaking ship. I haven't gone on the damn thing yet. I don't even know where it's parked. <laughs> it's probably getting ticketed somewhere right now. I got, I got no idea where it is. Damn so, Jedi, no respect for the yeah, codes. Too bad. Oh, um, dude, my, my chick's got red eyes. So, because I made it to, the, the, the way they have it set, at least the early levels, you get dark... And then the level, so dark one, dark two, whatever, or light, vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's, at the beginning at least, goes by 1,000 points. So once you get 1,000 points of dark, then you get a visual enhancement to your character that shows that you are you're just not a very nice person. And so apparently the first one just makes your eyes red, which is actually looks freaking cool, okay? It's such a simple little thing, but you can't expect something... I mean, you can't freaking have devil horns when you're still level, you know, low level guy and you've only been playing for a couple of days. So it has to be incremental. But it was cool enough that as I'm I'm doing the questing and I'm, I'm in a uh, cinematic and I see her for the first time with those eyes and it was jarring because she's a Twi'lek and she had the, the purple eyes and it was like, what the hell happened to her? And then it dawned. I mean, it was like, how cool is that? So she's like 300 dark points away from the next level of dark and i have no clue what the hell that's going to be but if it means murdering children and you know kicking puppies she'll do it just so that i can see what that next level is (laughs) and uh 
so anyways, I was playing with my son and he was a Jedi Knight and he was really digging the game style of the Jedi Knight. And it took me longer than the last time, but I finally got used to it. And I finally, to the counselor, and I actually really, actually really started to like it a lot as well. There's an insane amount of crowd control and I went Sage. So she was my healer. And that way my son and the, uh, the, the companions could tank and I could heal because I really wanted to see just how effective healing is again. So I, I healed a couple of flashpoints and um, <laughs> with one spell, that's always nice. Let's heal with <laughs> a freaking flashpoint with one heal. That's a 1.5 second. Takes forever and it's even, it's not giving you a lot. It was terrible. I hated it. Um now she's got two heals, one that's a three second, and it's like, oh my God, really? And a shield, which is very helpful. So again, though, because of the way the UI is set up, you're literally, you got to use hotkeys. So you got to remember what buttons you've got them on and then just click the avatars in the party to be able to cast your heals. There's no short way around that apparently, which which sucks to all hell. I mean, they should be able to implement a heal bot type of mechanic to it so that you can define in some settings which heal you want for your left, your right, your middle and things like that so that you can just do it over top of people's avatars and then leave your hotkeys open for your um, your offensive or your crowd control. Especially as a counselor, you've got tons of crowd control, so it's fantastic. You can actually do more than just heal in the instance. But, uh, but healing was just, I'm sorry, it's just not fun. They finally updated the graphic on that water heater. You, you want to know what also <laughs> is not fun? PvP. So... On Sunday, I decided to stay logged into a character until I hit level 10. So I can actually, like, queue for, like, something. And I wound up going for one of the PvP things. And right now, the brackets are fucked. All right? So you can be a level 10. And you can be in, a and you can be in like, Hutball, right? Or you can be in the... I can't remember the name of it. It's where, like, the three-node capture is. Like, the three-node control. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're in there sometimes with level 30s. <laughs> like the bracket ranges from like 10 to 30. So here I am charging in and my, uh, my, my lovely little Sith warrior. And there's a trooper just kind of chilling at this one node. And uh, it's the middle node. And I go to charge him and then I die instantly. And so one level 30 kept that middle node for the entire duration of the entire battle. <laughs> so congratulations. We have found the perfect balance for your PvP brackets. Get to level 30. Fuck everybody that's lower than you. And that's that got to no, be changed. There's no the way, way how they can leave but that. But there's been no mention of it. The way it, I understand how the matchmaking in PvP works is there is no brackets. It just does its best to find balanced sides between <laughs> the two. And it, I'm assuming <sighs> there is... I'm assuming if there was such a large divide in the level gaps, that just means not that many people on that server were queuing. Maybe, but even still, that's just in. I'm sorry. Because I, I never Phrase saw it. anything remotely like that in my testing. But for that to even be a possibility is special. It is short bus special. It is special with a slur. That should never, ever be a possibility. I mean, because literally one level 30 is a lot more efficient than 40 level 10s. And he's going to kill everybody before he ever gets to him, especially if it's a rage class. You know, that's that's not fun. Nope. And like I was really interested in the PvP aspect of the game, too. Hutball, I thought, was absolutely entertaining. You know, the three node control. It's like, you know, everything else we've had, but it's like it's Star Wars three node control. It's going to be awesome, right? No, I'm sorry, but that should never be a possibility. That needs to be examined. Agreed. Because that's that's that you can't let that go live like that. If it's going to do its best to matchmake, then it needs to look at things like level and it needs to look at things like how many players are available. It needs to be a more complex algorithm than we've seen displayed. Because I know for a fact that a decent number of people were queuing because the sides were even. It wasn't like one level 30 versus you know, 10 level 10s. can be like it a hogger, was, you know, <laughs> one level 30 with a whole mess of level 10s. Let's see if they yeah. can take them down 10%. It, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like, it felt like I'm going to run in with a full raid group and get eaten by hogger. Like this was the hogger of the Republic. I mean, it was that's awful. Awesome. Well, I hope you learned your lesson awful. not to fuck with troopers. Yeah. I think that's what we all learned here today. No, what I learned is I wish I would have had my Damn, mercenary. So I'd scum. That's what I learned. 
<laughs> okay, we actually, I got an email from Malagash here, and he was asking about Star Wars, so I figured instead of actually replying to the email that we just replied on the actual show, uh, he was asking about what we're thinking about the endgame right now, and if there's going to be enough lore in the endgame that's going to actually hold us. Now, for me, what I'm thinking is, and it's it's funny because... I actually spent quite a bit of time talking to my son about this over the last few days as well. And for me, at least, I'm not seeing this game in the same way that I see WoW, as obviously the obvious example, where WoW, it's just a rush to 85. This is different. I'm seeing this not from an actual level so much as experiencing every single quest. I do not want to miss a single one of them. We, I'd gone back to do some other ones um, while it was really laggy. There were a few that opened up for my trooper that we hadn't hadn't been there before, and I don't know if they were just new quests or they opened up because we had just leveled before stopping for that weekend or whatever, and I was starting on those and trying to play them on that, that hell server. But I was telling my son, like, we... We got to a point where we were ready to fly off the the starter planet, and there were still a few quests that we could have done. And he was saying that he'd like to move on. I said, oh, that's fine. It's beta weekend. But when we're playing live, I want to go back. And if there's a quest anywhere, I want to do it. And so when I'm looking at Endgame, for me, the fact that even once you reach level 50, they said there's going to be a planet devoted to nothing but level 50 so that you can continue to actually do quests. And then by then... We can expect more content patches, so there's going to be even more quests. We can expect, if, if you are playing it, then most likely you are going to be playing alts, which just means hundreds of hours more of gameplay. So in terms of endgame, I don't see this the same as other games, and I do think it'll hold me for a lot longer just because it's going to take me so long to get to 50, and I don't care. I'm in yeah, the same I... boat. It's about the journey for me more than the endgame here. And if nothing else, the di- like we talked about la- the week before last when uh, we were talking about the difference in choice that my bounty hunter made and Vince's bounty hunter made and how radically different the story was. It, that sort of variation encourages me to go back and do every single quest, make alts, make different choices to see how the different stories evolve. So for Star Wars, at least for me, it's all about that journey. It's not about, you know what raids are going to be available, which, you know, that'll be fun, I'm sure. Um, but I'm not playing the game for that endgame content. I'm sh- Again, I'm certain that it's going to be there, but I I'm, I'm want to spend as much time as I can getting through the quests, doing every single quest, making those choices, cultivating my character into something that I'm pleased with. That's what I want to do with this game, and that's what I can already see is going to be put in that game and what's already there. I mean... I, I, I was very distraught not being able to log into my bounty hunter, but that was because I had already developed sort of a, a weird emotional attachment to him yep. with some of the decisions I've made. Yep. And like I really cared about what I was going to do with that character next and wanted to keep going. That right there is a sign that the questing is good and that the story is good and that the personal story is good. Yeah, getting my trooper to level 50 isn't what I'm going to consider end game getting my trooper, my inquisitor, my Imperial agent, and you know, my Jedi Knight to level 50. Maybe that's what I would consider my end game, but that, that's another good point. Malagash, um, about how it is going to turn off some people because there are people who hate the cinematics and wow, because you know, oh, it's an extra five minutes before they're going to get to the level cap and start rating. And if, if, if that's all you care about in a game, I'm just going to flat out say it. This is not the game for this you. This is not the game for you. Yep. It's funny because a lot of people were complaining to about the gameplay. Now that the NDA is off, you're getting a lot more reviews and people are saying what they think about it having been playing in the beta weekends. And you're hearing a lot of the same things, which in many cases are valid. I will point blank admit it. A lot of the things that are being said are valid in terms of the gameplay mechanics that are, some of them, quite antiquated. The fact that whenever I need to activate a mission item, I have to open my bag and click the slot for the mission stuff to activate it. It doesn't show up as an icon like WoW finally did, you know, years later. But you would think again that all these simple little things they would have seen wow or anybody else improving upon over the years and made it better and things like healing things like tanking where you can't see the target of your target 
You know, there's there's so many things that they could have done better that they will over time. But it's valid to say that if that's what means the most to you, then you're not going to enjoy this game. But if you like a good story and getting sucked into it, and I know that some people are complaining about some of the voices that just don't fit, and I'll agree, some do, some don't, but overall, I would put it as high as hell in the 90% or higher. Mm -hmm. The voices are spot on. Just fantastic. When you have that many characters getting a voice, some are going to suck. That's just that. That's what's going to happen. But I'm surprised at how few, in my opinion. Exactly. They have a lot of quality. Um, I mean, but like eventually, you know, there's going to be somebody, well, we need a voice for this character. Okay, Scruffy, janitor, come here. Go go, (laughs) speak into the mic. You know, it's going to happen like that at some point. But for the most part, the voice acting has been incredible. Yeah. Um, I personally, like I said, Malgage likes the Sith male. I didn't care for the Sith male. But like the Sith female I thought was great. The male bounty hunter was great. Um, the male Jedi I thought was amazing. It just, just, and like the NPCs you interacted with were absolutely fantastic. What I liked as well was that as my character in this case here was just getting to be more and more annoying because she kept taking the dark choices. Um, it, it, the vocal, the, the vocal acting was really well done. And to the point where it, it was annoying me. I was only taking the, <laughs> those options because <laughs> I wanted the dark points, but she was getting on my nerves, but it was meant to be like that. The, the voice acting was just fantastic. And especially when you factor in the companions, because they're as much of a part of your character as okay. you are. Yeah, but you know what? They need a freaking muzzle for Corso Riggs, because he's getting on my goddamn nerves. <laughs> Nobody likes Corso. Oh, my Nobody likes God, Corso. I hate that he's freaking... He's the Corso-nassi of this game, He's right? a freaking yeah. hillbilly. Yeah, he is. He's terrible. They they need to put... That's another thing. They need to put an option so that you can silence, and, and even better, silence per character, per companion. <laughs> I like this one. This one can talk. This one shot him the hell up gag him tie him with a freaking cue ball something because that is ridiculous and corso and you hear it from other people even if you're not grouped with them and for some <laughs> reason the companion voices apparently project really loud because that shit will echo from two rooms away and you'll hear freaking corso got another one and it's like oh shut up <laughs> my god i hate him <laughs> oh I oh yeah he just gets on my nerves so anyways we're gonna stop talking about that only just well, last thing I got my first epic it was awesome a freaking nice. purple dropped and it was like oh, oh and I actually I gave it to my son because it was uh, a, a hilt uh, a, a lightsaber hilt and it had strength and stuff so he could use it on his knight so I thought oh that'd be a nice present he was happy to see it but uh, but yeah it was awesome so anyways, so moving away from there to uh, the obvious other game right now that everybody is playing, and that is, of course, Skyrim. And we're seeing tons of videos coming out right now of different things that people are accomplishing. It's funny because now I'm starting to hear from more people that have finished the Thieves Guild stuff, which I had finished like well over a week ago. And they're talking about how cool the Nightingale armor is. And it's like, isn't it? I know. I've had it. <laughs> and uh, But we're seeing a lot of cool stuff right now. Another one was the this bound bow that you can conjure. Oh, dude. <laughs> I think it's freaking Oh, I'm I'm getting one. I I haven't used any conjuring. I'll find a way. I'll do it. <laughs> and then there's this staff, the Wabajack staff. That was awesome. <laughs> that transforms people. Are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I gotta finish that. And that's from a quest too. If you're interested in what that is, just check the show notes at For the Lore. So you can get this staff that that changes people into a variety of different things. A chicken. Not just freaking, people. Not just people. Oh yeah, everything. And uh, everything. And you get it from completing a, a, a quest. I don't know how difficult the actual Chicken. quest is. Yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, but, I mean, we're hearing a lot of cool shit with this, not just with mods that people are doing to make the look game look insanely beautiful on PCs, but this thing with the books, which I think everybody probably read about this at the same time because the internet yeah. kind of exploded when somebody did this. <laughs> Joe, you found it and put it in the show notes here. The uh, the books? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Um, Skyrim, it, it, okay, it's an open world, and it has a metric fuck ton of books in it. And I don't know about you guys, but my biggest problem when I'm going through dungeons is I'm throwing out armor to carry books. Yep. Yep. And I'm getting back, and I'm putting them on shelves or putting them in my storage because I want the damn books. They give you skill points. They give you, um, you know, the history of the world. And they're um, books. They, 
and they're books. They're books. <laughs> you, don't, you don't throw away books. That, that, that giant doesn't need that book. Um, but what's really cool is there are so many books in the game um, that you might actually miss some. Uh, but what somebody has done is they've actually gone through and they've made an out-of-game version of every single book in Skyrim. Um, you can actually download it, uh, it from it's for from a website that'll be in the show notes. You can click the link and download it. Um, it's got a table of contents. Everything is divided out so you can read the individual books and stories. Um, you literally have every single book that is possibly found in Skyrim. That you can load on your e-reader and take it with you wherever you go. I think that's freaking amazing, personally. You know what? Even if you're not playing Skyrim, but you actually like reading fantasy writing, read this. <laughs> you can download it for free. Well, you shouldn't because it's part of a game and you just blah, blah, blah. But, excuse me, read that shit. It's fantastic. The writing is actually quite good. I've got it on my iPad now. It's freaking monstrous, though, it dude. Is. It is monstrous. But it really... It, <laughs> It what it's actually good marketing for them because it makes you want to play this freaking game because it's it's sinking you into that world without actually being at the computer. It's it's freaking brilliant. So yeah, and then there was uh, you you found a petition. Which this is the greatest thing. This is the greatest thing ever. This is the greatest thing ever. Okay, the, the U.S. The United States government um, on the White House's website has now made it so that anybody who's at least thirteen years old can start a petition. Well, somebody actually petitioned the White House to round up all copies of Skyrim, outlaw and ban the game. So a Tennessee man on Thanksgiving, no less, started urging the president of the United States to ban the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim for the safety of America's youths. Considering, I don't know about you guys, I haven't heard anything about Skyrim related deaths or cult sacrifices yet. It might happen. So I was really intrigued by that. Uh, the actual petition basically says that Skyrim, uh, by Blizzard Entertainment, yeah. <laughs> uh, is essentially eating at the moral fiber of, you know, our youth and is brainwashing them. And that not only should we round up all copies and burn them and they should be made illegal, but anybody who's played the game should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. This is fucking hysterical. <laughs> this is what, a 15 year old troll is what this is. What's this really worrying about this, terrible. though, is just how many important people are supporting it. I mean, you look at the petition, and you've got signatures here from Chuck Norris, Arthur Pendragon, <laughs> Darth Vader, Parthenax. I mean, there are some very important people yes. behind yes. this, so well, we need to be Darth worried. Darth needs us playing Star Wars. That's what that <laughs> exactly. Is. He needs to eliminate the competition. He's just he's just doing what he needs to do. Okay, let's stick kind of with the Elder Scrolls here, because there was actually a fantastic interview that was done with Ken Rolston, who was the man who actually worked on Elder Scrolls 3 and 4, and is now working on Reckoning. And Joe, you actually were the one that was uh, that went through the whole interview. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ken Ralston was the guy that helped revolutionize open world gameplay with Morrowind and Oblivion. Um, he actually ended his career with the release date of Oblivion. Um, and what was kind of interesting is the interview started up with his reactions to Skyrim, which is, is a game made with his blood behind it, but not actually him on the, the sort of the docket. Um, and for lack of a better term, as the competition. Um, he's talks about not wanting to get really sucked into it because he doesn't really have the time to do it, but he's sure it's a wonderful world. He understands what, what monster he created all those years ago. Um, but Ken Ralston, uh, even though he retired after Oblivion, um, he was offered a job um, as sort of a creative content lead for The Reckoning. Um, he's the creative visionary. Um, but he makes light of it, pointing out that he does very little in the way of honest work. He's basically the guy that says, hey, we haven't done this yet. We should totally do this. He's the guy in the crow's nest that sees land that hasn't been explored. And just he's the little the devil develop on the developer's shoulder. He is. He's the, he's the, you could totally do this. But as we've seen in the past, it friggin' works. Um, but then the, the interview comes back to talk about him coming out of retirement and working on the reckoning and what sort of things we can expect. Um, this is the first time we actually start getting real like estimates of like gameplay time. Um, he said that people that play Skyrim for over 100 hours, that's great for them, but he doesn't suggest it for anybody's health. And that the longest he's played The Reckoning, his game, uh, has been about 60 hours. Um, and this is talking about a guy who's who wanted to avoid games like Oblivion because he, as 
being part of the design process had sucked all the soul out of that game for himself. So he couldn't really get any enjoyment out of it. But even now he's putting 60 hours into the game, um, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he also says that he wants the game to be memorable, but also worthy of theft. And that's a pretty bold <laughs> statement. Um, what he means by, by worthy of theft is he wants other games to steal ideas from the reckoning, just like other games started doing from Morrowind or Oblivion or World of Warcraft or what World of Warcraft does with the other games. He wants to see that same thing happen with his game. Um, and it basically is the action role-playing combat system that they're putting in the game is supposed to be so revolutionary. Now, he didn't talk about detail about it. I haven't really seen too much of it in the videos. But he says that it's going to set uh, a new standard for the action role-playing genre. Um, combat is going to lean heavily on the dynamic of timed button presses that we're familiar with with stuff like God of War. Um, and it's going to have quick-time events. But it also has the ability to build your character's skills on the fly in the middle of combat. Basically, it creates a game that never stops evolving for the players. It turns out that this is a design goal of the game as well. That as the player progresses through the world, they will constantly feel like they are opening up new experiences to explore. Um, I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and if you play for 60 hours in this game, you're basically paying about a dollar an hour for your own entertainment. And that's a damn good bang for your buck. Um, so personally, after reading this interview, I'm even more jazzed to get my hands on this game and play it. I mean, I've been so excited about Skyrim. I love the game to death, but I can just imagine what this game's going to do. And I want to know what that combat system is. I want to, to see it in action more in depth, and I can't wait to get more information about it. There was actually a video that came out, I believe it was last week, or maybe mm -hmm. it was the week before, that was about combat in um, The Reckoning, and it showed a lot more. And it was it was actually quite interesting, which, again, it, it's one of those rare few where I'm looking at it and thinking, this is actually one that I'm going to want to play on a console versus on PC. It looks fluid. It looks like you're going to be able to do a lot of these really freaking cool mechanics that that are going to like the insane kills at the end and everything else mm -hmm. it just looks like it's going to be a blast yeah from that video where they showed you know you're not going to be able to kill every enemy by running up to it and hitting it with your big stick so you know the, the game is, is encouraging you to try out all these different styles and yeah sure your big stick might work eventually but maybe you could try this out maybe you'll find something else you like i, I really like that decision yeah Okay, moving on from there, we actually got a little bit of news as well on Torchlight 2. Actually, Vince, you were looking at that. Uh, yeah, actually before they announced uh, the delay, they had a couple fan sites come over for a community event. And I don't know if this was just because there wasn't maybe a cancellation or if they did this by design. One of the fan sites they invited was a Diablo 3 fan site. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was interesting seeing... Um, his reactions to the game. I mean, he's still all yay, go team Diablo. But he he did come out saying that after playing Diablo as much as he has and playing Torchlight for this weekend that they were there, the games are really going to be their own entities. They, they, they feel very different. And just Torchlight is more, you know, nonstop action. And Diablo has that, maybe that slower pace with, you know, that Diablo does its thing, Torchlight does its thing. Both games are going to be able to coexist, which is very nice because people were worried once Torchlight pushed back their release date that suddenly the juggernaut of Diablo was going to pretty much kill them. I got to talk with a couple of people that work as community managers for various games and who have personal ties with the guys from, you know, the Torchlight and from Runic Studios. Um, and it's really interesting because all the community managers, all the, the developers, they're friends. Um, so seeing that Torchlight 2 is going to have its own sort of feel and niche makes perfect sense because those same guys actually do talk to people that are working on Diablo 3. and They, they all of, got beta keys. They all got beta keys for each other. <laughs> and they cross-reference things, and they talk to each other about best practices. And, hey, you want to use this? Okay, we're, well, we're not going to use it. We're going to use this. Oh, yeah, you guys can use it. They, like, they actually collaborate. Like it's, it's a lot less standoffish than people really think. Um, and I think that's kind of cool because starting to like inviting somebody from a Diablo fan site to play the game is like the ultimate proof of that because they can sit there and, and walk away from it and say, yeah, it's going to be a completely different game. They can coexist. 
that's the entire goal. All these developers out there are just trying to make sure that their games can coexist and still be profitable and still be good and still be playable. So it's it's this right here is really interesting to me, especially with just some of the recent insight I've gotten into the whole like gaming community type thing. All right. Uh, the big draw for this whole community event thing was they had an hour-long Q&A session that they released as a, a podcast. And I listened to the whole thing, and I have a few interesting things uh, that came across. A lot of it was just how rushed they were getting the first Torchlight game out. Like, they were even making jokes. was like, oh, yeah, that was added into the last uh, – on the last – week of uh development he's like oh yeah along with the entire third act and all the talent trees (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but we're really seeing just how much more time they're putting into this one and they're they're really thinking things through instead of just throwing it all in there um items are going to make the luxury of time too that's yes they can afford to which is the big big difference uh items are going to make more sense you're not going to be able to essentially break the game with enchanting uh the the enchanting system itself has changed where there's going to be special enchanters that randomly spawn around the world. And if you go hunt them down, they're going to have exclusive enchants they can apply to your gear. Very cool. Um, they've gotten rid – I don't know if they've gotten rid of the retirement system, but they've also changed things around for other endgame content since it's multiplayer now. Uh, there's a new game plus mode where you can take your character in and all the, char- all the enemies are going to start at level 50. As well as a map room, which allows players to go on boss runs on brand new randomly generated maps, even featuring some classic bosses from the first Torchlight. Uh, Better balance in the levels, more visually appealing items, and here's some cool stuff. Uh, There's items that can have special properties. For example, you'll find this awesome sword, and the flavor text on the sword will simply say, you gain you know, a new ability for this weapon after you kill 100 undead enemies. So you're actually going to have like little item quests to go on. And they say that you'll usually find these weapons in places where those monsters don't spawn, so you're going to have to go exploring to actually activate your weapon. That's awesome. Yes, very much. Um, there are going to be six primary pets in the game. Those are the ones you can select at character creation. Uh, the old school dog and cat are not going to be selectable by default, but you can feed them, uh, your pet's fish to get that appearance. Uh, the six new pets are going to be a wolf, a bulldog, a panther, a lizard dinosaur looking thing, the ferret, and a hawk. So six pets there. Uh, there are two... Ferret, yes. Ferret? Who puts a ferret, ferret in a game? I don't know, but it's there. Same people that put it in the movies in the 80s? Uh, there are going to be two different types of fishing holes now. Endless fishing holes and limited fishing holes. The limited ones are going to have the higher quality fish. So for people who don't like sitting there endlessly fishing for hours, which is Me. everybody, uh. <laughs> if you just want the cool effect items, you have a better chance if you just go with the limited holes. Uh, stat allocation. It's slightly more class specialized. Uh, you know, if you're a berserker, you want strength, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they're trying to find that balance of having the fun of making a good decision, but you also need to have the risk of making bad ones. And without the risk, then there is no fun. And they're really trying to strike that delicate balance. But basically, what they say is, unless you completely overly invest in completely the wrong stat, your character is going to be fine. Which uh, Sounds good. Uh, The game is going to have fewer digital publishing partners. Basically, they said you're going to get it through Runic or you're going to get it through Steam. Uh, Also, Overseas has their own stuff because the first game had, I don't know, a half dozen different publishing partners just in North America. And that made it virtually impossible to properly patch and update the game because everybody had to go through their own systems. So now they're really taking control over that. Uh, while most of the world is going to be randomly generated, there are a few custom dungeons uh, with special puzzles and even hidden areas that are going to feature unique loot. So keep your eyes open. Uh, identification is pretty much out the window. Uh, green items, you're going to pick them up and have the effects on them right away. Blue items, the effects will be hidden until you get to the proper level to unlock it. You can still spend a scroll to read it early, or you can just wait and it'll unlock on its own. And the big thing is they're really going big with the editor this time around. They know that's one of their big guns to the, to separate them from Diablo 3. Basically, the editor is just going to be bigger and better with full control over you name it, including the UI this time around. So we can see some oh, really, oh, some really unique oh, things huge. coming out of this. That yeah. is insane. Oh, so, 
lots you to can make a to. brand new freaking game yes. using their yep. editor literally yes i mean the other editor was powerful obviously it's the one that they used however at its root you still were making a level in their game but if you're actually allowed to change that and if you can import other textures to to do other things kind of thing, I don't know if that's going to be in there. I would assume so. Then you literally can be making your own freaking game. My yeah, the, God. lots to look forward to here. That one little hour-long thing was just so full of awesome, despite the uh, sound quality. Runic, you always sound better on our show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, lots of good information in there. No kidding. That's awesome. Okay, let's move away from there. You also were talking about I Am Live. Pretty hyped yes. about that, about the sound of it. Um, this is a game that I had heard about forever ago, but off my radar completely. And it popped up recently because of a lot of controversy uh, surrounding the likelihood of a PC port. Things were said, people were quoted, quotes were retracted, whatever. <laughs> we, since I, we still don't know enough about what's actually happening with the PC version, we're probably going to come back to that later. But I did actually look into the game itself, and yeah, I'm really excited for it. It's uh, coming out later this year from Ubisoft. It's a downloadable game coming to PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade. It takes place in a post-apocalyptic setting. Uh, one year after, quote, the event, which has basically just been a huge upheaval. Uh, things have gone amok. Uh, it was originally supposed to take place in Chicago. Now they have uh, reset it for just, you know, generic uh, city by the name of Haverton. And the main character returns to this, uh, his hometown in search of his wife and daughter. The game focuses a lot on exploration and resource management. This really is a survival game. Uh, as the player, you have to traverse this broken cityscape. Uh, a lot of Uncharted-style cliffhanging elements and whatnot. But instead of being superhero Nathan Drake, who can just climb up the entire side of you know a temple <laughs> with, without without taking a deep breath, you, you actually Drake. have yeah, I know. You actually have a stamina meter in this game that you have to manage. So you have to tactically plan out your routes to find places where you can rest or use a limited inventory of, uh, you know, climbing hooks that allow you to your character to get that break he needs or he's just going to fall off the building and die. So it takes that traditional cliffhanging element we've seen in so many games right now and adds a nice new twist to it. Uh, kind of similar to what we're seeing in Skyward Sword, actually. Cool. Uh, Beyond that, the survival is also in the combat. Uh, yeah, sure, you have guns, you have a bow and arrow, you can have a machete, but ammo is very scarce. So the combat actually comes down more to intimidation than actually defeating all your enemies. Uh, one scenario that came up in the preview I read was you have a pistol, you have three enemies. Theoretically, that's no problem, but you only have one bullet. Thankfully, the enemies don't know you have one bullet. So they showed in the game, er, in the preview, that he shot one of the enemies and then was able to intimidate the other two enough that they ran off. And if they had decided to attack you, you'd have been screwed. So just like the, the, the exploration, you have to take that tactical approach to combat and really conserve your resources. And this is pure survival forget resident evil forget anything else this is the most survival oriented game i've ever seen and it's pretty interesting to me especially when you factor in all of the uh, production values this is an xbox live arcade game if we can get a game of this quality with the alan wake game coming up i think we're in uh, pretty good hands here yeah, it's funny because I actually was reading up on this game as well, but that, for me it was because of the stupidity of their freaking staff that was oh, yeah. slamming the PC people, and it was like, oh, you idiot. So they finally cleared that up and said that part of it is a language barrier because they're very, very, I think they they were from the, France, were they not? No, this team so, is uh, actually Ubisoft Shanghai. Okay, yeah. Oh. So yeah, they were saying that's partially why, but I'm sorry, but that only goes so far. When you read some of what he said, no, there was some... Yeah. Point blank slamming PC that everybody on PC is freaking stealing their games. I'm sorry, but I I I don't know what the actual numbers are on piracy right now. I know that they would have you believe that it's it's the end of the world kind of thing, and that's why. But I would think with more services like Steam, like Origins doing digital now, I I haven't downloaded a game in like years and years and years because it's so damn cheap to buy them on freaking Steam now. So what's the oh, big yeah. deal? 
Especially agree. a game like this, it's not going to come out at 50 bucks. That's the thing. I mean, and it's not just that. I mean, literally, if you're smart and if you, I don't want to say, sorry, not if you're smart, but if you, unless you're the type of person that you have to play that game as soon as it releases, then yeah, you're going to be paying that premium cost. But case in point, you know that with Steam, there's always the freaking holidays. This weekend was your Thanksgiving, and yeah. my God, Steam once again pissed off a whole bunch of people by having their sales every goddamn <laughs> day. And they so, got already own most of those games. Yeah, seriously. So I, I bought some because there were some that I've been waiting for. Well, Deus Ex, I did not want to pay. 60 bucks for it, but goddamn, I wanted to play it. Well, I got it for 25 bucks. That was good enough for me. Limbo for 250. I bought it. So, and I, it's, Limbo, I own the goddamn thing on the freaking Xbox, <laughs> but I want to play it on the P- PC. It's 250. It's a cup of coffee for Christ's sake. Sure, I'll buy it. And I almost bought Dead Space 2, but I held back. And same thing with Ellie so Noir. Like five- it's like five bucks. I know, but there was again. I had bought some other stuff too. It's not like that's all I bought this this weekend. So it's it's again. I piracy. Yes, it's always going to be there. But if you can entice people to buy the game and have things like this, go through Steam, go through Origins. They do their sales, especially Steam. I'm, I'm I know that the Steam sales are coming at Christmas. I'm banking on it. Because that's when I want to get revelations. <laughs> so I'm going to wait until it's on sale and that's when I'm going to pick it up. So I, this argument that, you know, that there's, there's so much piracy for PCs and that's why they don't want to do it anymore. But shut up. Yeah, that's, but that, that's why I kind of wanted to take that out of the conversation, at least to begin with, because if it wasn't for all that controversy, I never would have heard of this game at all. And what I did find was a very interesting game. Now, there's all kinds of bullshit on top of that, of course, but... I'm intrigued by what I'm seeing here, regardless of shenanigans. Yeah. And speaking of buying things on sale this weekend, somebody picked up something. <laughs> I'm sorry. With no regard whatsoever for, you know, the man who made him. That, that there should be, you know, some honor and that you want to do something nice for this person. No, no, no. It was the last one. So I kept it. Somebody picked up the freaking Zelda uh, package. On freaking Black Friday, the beautiful 3DS Zelda You're a one. bastard for that alone. You are. But not just <laughs> Going that. out on Black Friday. What oh, the hell's man. wrong with you? Dude, and, okay. I have a funny story about that, too. Make it fast. All right. So Black Friday, right? I, I get to the game store about 1240 or 11.45, like, it's going to open at midnight. The geeks are all, like, got their headphones in. They're all orderly and in line together. Like, nobody's, like, you know, jogging for position or trying to get in the door first. The door's open. Everybody just calmly walks in, <laughs> gets in line. They don't have the capacity gets, to run. They're all freaking no, no, still full of turkey. No, That's no, why. They were, they, were, they, were, they were, like, you know, younger, skinny kids and stuff like that. But it was, like, it was just kind of entertaining because, like, you and then you look, like, 200 feet away, and there's, like, a target where four people had been trampled already and were being pulled away and, like, ambulance ambulances and like just like the, the geeks who are supposed to be like the downfall of america right the gamers are like the, the gamers are just sitting there like eh, okay i got my game i'm gonna go home now thanks have a nice night guys thanks for opening up at midnight oh yeah do, do you know you, you do you need help getting that to your car oh yeah have a good night and, like everybody was so super nice and like i'm sitting in line talking to a woman about like what ds game she should buy her kid and like talking to her son about like modern warfare 3 and like it was just like it was completely completely different it was like my first black friday experience and then i just hear like I, I drive i drive past target and just watch like this band of raving lunatics like punching each other well it's the same thing as <laughs> i've said before with the they make such a big deal of there's so much violence and aggression in gamers and all that and yet things like this happen and you you see that it's not there meanwhile go to a sporting event oh, yeah. where in the last playoff game, the team has lost and all of a sudden there's ransacking and looting in the freaking streets everywhere, cars being blown up. And this happens in a lot of places too. Like it happened in Montreal not that long ago. Like it's just, there's there's a lot more aggression in other places. Take it away from the gamers. That. We yeah. You get between a soccer mom and a $20 yeah. discount and you're taking your life in your own hands. That was okay? you. <laughs> we were joking around that we hadn't heard from you. And my theory was that you'd gotten trampled uh, while you were working on Black Friday. <laughs> it, it was a close thing. but you we, know. We, we thought, yeah, we thought we thought we were going to have to come down and claim your stuff. With, with my years of experience, I've gotten pretty good at juking the, the, the <laughs> rush. I remember doing those. I mean, we're talking... 
16 years ago now at least when I was working at Walmart and it was the year that the Tickle Me Elmos came out. Oh, oh God. And I had those suckers oh. and I worked in the back in shipping and receiving and I would have the <laughs> skid full of them and I'd have my little dolly lifted up and I would start walking with the dolly towards the skid towards the toy section and get mobbed by all these mothers and it was right by Christmas right around Christmas time mobbed by the moms and everybody and all that I would never make it to the toy section and I'd be turning the skid around and going all the way back <laughs> freaking nuts man so yeah gamers not so much so anyways yeah that asshole got himself a Zelda 3DS and did not pick one up for me that's okay next year when we have our nice new 3DSs with the 8 hour battery life and the built in analog stick we'll be feeling better as long as it's a Zelda one you, mean you can paint it. Another built-in analog stick because I already have an analog stick. You have a analog stick. I don't need two. Damn right you do. You will. It's a freaking Nintendo thing. If there's a dongle that they can charge you for, you will need it. <laughs> yeah, so, but yours won't have the cool Zelda logo on it. I'll paint. I'll paint my, it. My wife's yeah. an artist. I'll get her to paint it. <laughs> okay. Lastly, I'm, we're gonna. I'm sure, I could buy that decal online. For yeah, really. <laughs> Take a freaking picture of it and tape it. Scotch tape it to there. <laughs> Okay, we got a little bit of news from the uh, Guild Wars 2 blog because they, again, they like giving us information about uh, how the game is progressing in the classes and then the races and whatnot. And this time around, they were actually talking about the cinematics, which as we're seeing with the Old Republic and we're seeing in other games now too, there's a lot of people who love those cinematics and, and can appreciate how much it means to immersing you into that lore. The cinematics are one of those things that are becoming a lot more important in games, right? You're talking about um, even in WoW, the Wrathgate cinematic was absolutely, you know, talked about and still talked about now. Um, you know, and you look at Star Wars where cinematics in, in your are there in every aspect of your character, whether it's in the instances or when just questing. You're going to have cinematic experiences with your character. Well, Guild Wars 2... Um, those cinematic experiences are there from the very beginning in much the same way as they are in like in Star Wars. Um, but it's kind of cool because um, where you're like talking to your quest giver or you're you're going back and forth, it's your character, like almost a full body image of your character, fully animated with voice acting, um, you know, give, speaking out and acting the choices that you're making. Um, and, and like then the NPC as well on the other side with the, the background of the zone you're in um, with the, the text growing above it is very much like a, a almost like an anime cutscene. And there's a ton of these in the game, right? Um, traditionally with questing, we have like just text and dialogue boxes. Not here. Every single thing has a cinematic. Right now, they're talking about 1,500 cinematic conversations have already been implemented. And the interview, or I'm sorry, the blog post by uh, Jim Bower uh, talks about how it's evolved over time and how it was supposed to, it was this huge lofty idea that they didn't even have the technical resources for. And then as it evolved, they they got more technology, they got more technology to support it. Um, the system itself actually changed quite a bit. Um, and they're looking to still put even more cinematics into the game before it goes live. So I think it's really it's really good, especially to see sort of what people take for granted, how much thought that Arena has really put into it. And I think that, it, like they were saying with uh, with Torchlight and you're looking at what other people are doing and whatnot, if you're putting out an MMO right now, you, you have to be looking at what the other big dogs are doing. And of course, right now, the biggest one upcoming is Star Wars. So you're looking at all of the hype that's being generated for those cinematics. You have to be able to implement a measure of that into yours. So I, I knew right off the bat that they wouldn't be able to do the same thing. Quite obviously, they would have had to have started years ago just with that in mind. But I like that they're modifying what they're doing to adapt some of that in their own style. And I like that. It sounds like it's going to be very stylish, very still immersive, but not, I mean, not as immersive as the cinematics, obviously, in, in Star Wars, but still enough that it, it keeps you sucked in. And then again, they're they're the game style is what's going to be selling that game more so than, than the cinematics. So they've got a well-rounded game by the sound of it. Again, I'm so excited for Guild Wars 2. It's unbelievable. I really like how ArenaNet's 
perceived limitations compared to a company like BioWare or uh, Blizzard just from a budgeting standpoint, it really lends to that style because they can't really, like they said, they can't afford, they don't have the time to do fully animated cinematics with, uh, you know, full lip syncing and all that. So they developed the system with, which has plenty of style and charm all of its own that just melds into Guild Wars that, I mean, you look at all the, I can only imagine how much programming time and effort went into every single conversation in the Old Republic. Whereas, you know, they basically, they, they just have this sort of template that they run with at this point. And that is just brilliant how they've taken their limited resources again because it's not going to be a subscription fee they have to you know recoup everything on their sales and just made something phenomenal with it that's i really respect them for that okay with that we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight thanks for everybody for joining and the podcast will be out for you all to listen to tomorrow and i'll probably you know record another ending because this one sucks but until then suck it up <laughs> this is all you're getting hopefully very soon i'll be feeling better and back to normal maybe a little bit more energetic even <laughs> maybe maybe oh dudes seriously I just I need to sleep <laughs> I just want to sleep hello listeners with the release of the Old Republic growing ever closer I felt now was a great time to discuss a comic series that just wrapped up titled Star Wars The Old Republic The Lost Sons. This was a five-issue miniseries from Dark Horse Comics and was written by Alexander Freed with art from Dave Ross, George Freeman, and Mark McKenna. Now this is the third comic series released under the Old Republic banner, but it's actually the first one I've enjoyed. The first two series were basically just reprints of webcomics from the Old Republic website and they just didn't quite have the pacing and storytelling that I've come to expect from comics these days. However, The Lost Sons was intended from the beginning to be published as a full comic miniseries, and the difference definitely shows here for me. The Lost Sons focuses on a man named Theron, who is a Republic intelligence agent. His superiors send him to recover Nagani Zhou, who disappeared after the war with the Sith. This man was the master who trained all the greatest Jedi, including the Jedi's current Grandmaster, Satel Shan. He spent the last several years in Imperial space, and the Republic believes he might have knowledge they need. Unfortunately, Theron isn't the only one after Master Zhou. Darth Mekis, a powerful Sith Lord, is also after him with her Sith Knights, bio-engineered weapons made from captured Jedi. This woman is bad news and bears a particular grudge for Master Zhou because his Padawan, Master Shan, defeated her during the war. Through the story, we also learn that Master Zhou raised Theron in the absence of his own mother, none other than Satel Shan. This is a huge deal because, as most know, Jedi aren't allowed to fall in love or have children. And of course, the weight of all this, being the son of a famous Jedi and raised by one of the most famous Jedi, bears heavily down on Theron, because despite all that, he's not Force-sensitive himself. The Lost Sons are seven star systems that the Republic gave to the seven Sith Lords in the Treaty of Coruscant. Master Zhou convinces Theron that they have to go investigate Mechus's star system, and they do not like what they find. Mechus has been conducting experiments using the sun itself to power a massive space factory which produces world-killing ships. Only one of these Sun Razors, as it's called, has produced a fleet capable of turning the tide in any war, and there are six more on the way. So they come up with a desperate plan to destroy it. The story is fun, with good writing, great characters, and a whole lot of action. It also raises some interesting questions about the Old Republic setting. Most notably, who is Theron's father? What could cause Master Sean to actually go against the Order and have a child? At one point, Theron even exclaims to Darth Mechus that he has ten generations of Jedi blood flowing through his veins. Now, this could quite simply just be a reference to how long the Jedi have been along, but it could also reference some sort of Jedi family lineage. While it is unusual for a Jedi to have a child, it's not unheard of, and we've seen it right here. And also through reading the Revan novel, we know that it tends to happen more often than we'd think. So it could be possible that there's some sort of larger force at work here 
guiding these Jedi to break their vows. I know it's just a wild theory, but it could be pretty interesting, and something I hope we see play out in the game itself, either with Satel, with Theron, or with the Mysterious Father. If not in the actual game, then I'd least like to see it play out in another novel, or maybe even in more comic series, because I found this one to be really enjoyable. Now, we actually, again, dude, my son and I are so excited for this. Like, we, we spend our free time looking on the site at the hollow, hollow net thing that they've got and just, like, looking at it over and over again, like, at all the different races and all the different things. And, oh, I found a, damn it, I was going to say it, too. I'll put it in the show notes for folks. There's a, a site, um, STW, uh, see how tired I am? <laughs> S-W-T-O-R, spy, dash spy.com slash companions. Um, but it lists all the freaking companions per class, and then it also lists their role, and it lists their crew skill bonuses and gifts. And it is freaking awesome, like absolutely awesome, because that's one of the things that my son and I are always wondering. Okay, well, who are we going to get with these classes, and when do you get them, things like that. So for anybody who's interested, I'll actually put this in the, show, in the, uh, the outtake so folks will know. But yeah, it's awesome. I just had a thought and I lost it. God damn it. (laughs) I don't care. Oh, that's one of the fish dudes. Dude, when you're doing the consular... Yes! The one that's on the flashpoint that you do as a Republic, there's Mm -hmm. one of those, I don't know what race that is. It sounds just like the dude who was in the, the original. I'll have to check to see if it actually is him. I wouldn't him. be surprised. They, they've got a lot of voice actors that I think have done work for them, bef- like, for Lucas before, like, just in random capacities. Okay, well, if ever either of you are doing it again, and you're, well, eventually you will, for sure, but just yeah. the guy in th- that flashpoint that you do <laughs> yeah. from the starter planet to Coruscant, and there's that fish dude is there and he's talking. Listen to his voice. I swear to God, it sounds exactly like it. I was joking around with Tristan. I was like, it's a trap. 